Next on BYU Sports Nation, breaking the curse in the spirit of the Chicago Cubs. Which BYU sports curse do you want to see the Cougars break? Wide receivers coach Ben Cahoon on what he wants to see from his position group beginning at Cincinnati. Plus, big deal, no deal, a Big Ten clause in a BYU football contract. And Paige Hunt Barker of fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Let's do it live in Radio Vision, shall we? BYU Sports go, Nation. Cubs, go, Presented by go, the BYU Cubs, Store. Go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are going to win today. Hey! Brought to you by Cubbies. the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans <laughs> everywhere. Thursday, November 3rd, the Chicago Cubs are World Series they champions. They did it, dude. I can't believe it. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Billy Goat trainer, <laughs> Jerem Jordan. Finally, we can get rid of all these goats I've had on the south side. What an amazing night side. in sports. The theater that was put on last night in Cleveland oh my goodness. was incredible. So good. It was so, so good. I mean, I mean, that's one of the most memorable games in the history of, of baseball. Maybe the most memorable ever. Um, it goes to extra innings. There's a rain delay. The Cubs finally do it. Unbelievable. The, the sports drama and the high level uh, in a compelling nature was unbelievable. Congratulations to the Cubs and the Cubs fan. I, one of my friends, he used to work here, Robbie Bolo, big Cubs fan. Dave McCann, big Cubs fan. So happy for those guys. It was an interesting case of feeling like I felt like, man, both teams are playing so hard, and I, I want both of these teams to be able to someone, win. Someone had to lose. The Indians, however, the Indians stood in the way of fate. They really did. I wanted the Indians to win because I thought this Cubs storyline would be awesome, but it was too juicy last night. It was too good to, to not be a win for the Cubs. Literally, my brother in is a big yeah. off the screen. My brother in law is a big Indians fan. I feel bad for him today. But you got one with the Cavs. You can't have both. Come on. It was fate. That's when the Cubs much. went down three games to one and they <laughs> won game five, I was like, they're going to win the World Series. They came back down 3 1. Wow. They're going to win the World Series. If they win game five, they will win it. Yeah. So compelling. I mean, it just, and huge numbers. Huge numbers. Incredible numbers. Listen to this. In Chicago, in the city of Chicago last night, the World Series game got a 51 rating wow. and a 71 share. Now, now explain the difference. What that means is 71% of all televisions that were turned on in Chicago <laughs> were watching the World How Series. How are there 29% that aren't? <laughs> what? Yeah, you, the funny thing is, Mike uh, Greenberg of ESPN asked the same question. What in the world were the other three out of ten people doing last night? Yeah. Apparently, there are non-sports fans. That, that was a cultural phenomenon last night, too. 69 share in Cleveland. That's insane. 70% of the TVs between Chicago and Cleveland that were turned on, just turned on, period, were watching the World Series Game 7. Nationally, it got a rating of 25. That's huge. In comparison to NBA Finals Game 7, and that was which on a was Sunday. epic between Cleveland and Golden State, that got an 18. Yeah. Last night's game got a 25. Five rating. Uh, we might not see a, a phenomenon like that ever again. I mean, probably. But I, I'm saying we might not because the Red Sox, check, Theo Epstein. Cubs, check, Theo Epstein. 
We might not see that ever again. I mean, that is unbelievable. The that next number, I, with football, uh, the Super Bowl obviously every year is a huge number, right? But I'm talking for like a baseball game or a basketball game. But baseball is dead, Jerem. <laughs> well, the when Cubs the, resurrected it well, last night. Well, the Cubs did, but now now what? Now right? the Cleveland yeah. Indians, right? <laughs> no, they're not. Compelling <laughs> did they become nationally. the new lovable losers? No, they're not even close Holy to the Cubs cow. brand. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. We're hoping for a rating of 25 nationally today as well. <laughs> at football, <laughs> at football media availability yesterday, Ty Detmer said he doesn't think junior offensive lineman Ului Lapuaho will play the rest of the season. Now that's a bummer. And with that, I take off the Chicago Cubs uh, blue goggles here. That's a bummer because Ului Lapuaho, to me, is one of BYU's best pro prospects. Starting right tackle, has been out with a knee injury. That's tough. That's really tough for BYU. And he has played the last several games. And we've talked about the O-line has been good at times, but there's been a struggle there, especially in the past game. Uh, he also said, speaking of Ty Detmer, Jamal Williams hurt his ankle against Mississippi State, didn't practice all week, and then re-aggravated his ankle in pregame warm-ups at Boise State. That's mm. new information. Yeah. I did. So he was trying to get it ready to go against Boise State. That's a different idea. He didn't injure it in practice, as originally reported during the Boise State game. It was in the Mississippi State game itself. And Ty Demmer said he, he could play through that in the game. It's easier when you're in the game. So, uh, But the good news is Jamal Williams is good to go. For this week, so that's great. Women's basketball defeated Westminster last night, 77-59 to in an exhibition game. Kalani Purcell, a double-double with 11 points and 10 rebounds. Also impressive, four assists and four steals, a 4 by 4 The team plays again tomorrow against Colorado Mesa at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Jerem Jordan will be on the call with Kristen Kozlowski. Let's second go, straight RMAC opponent for the BYU women's basketball oh, team. Oh, the rich tradition of history there. We, we've chronicled it. The uh, Colorado School of Mines, among others. Those big games for the Cougars in the 30s. 14th-ranked BYU <laughs> women's volleyball has an interesting road contest against a pretty good Pacific team. Tonight, 10 Eastern, the Cougars swept the Tigers in Provo on October 8th. Hey, keep it going. They beat uh, fifth-ranked San Diego last Friday, so keep that going tonight. The women's golf team is playing well. They're in first place after two rounds at the Rainbow Wahine Invitational in Hawaii. Rose Huang is currently in second place at minus two, and Alex White sits in fourth at even par. Vance Law, former Chicago Cubs man, will join us in about 10 minutes to discuss the perfect guest today. the World Series. He, he was an all-star with the Cubs. 88 all-star. In the late 80s. Former BYU player, former uh, BYU coach as well, the baseball team. So Vance Law coming up. Very cool. Loaded show today. Time to rise and shout. Let's go with what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Breaking the curse. Last night... As we have mentioned and chronicled, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series for the first time in over a century. Mm. 108 years, breaking the long-standing curse of the Billy Goat. (laughs) Some background. In 1945, the Billy Goat Tavern owner, William Cianus, was asked to leave Wrigley Field because his goat stunk. It was bothering people. His family... Okay, the Cianus family claims he sent a telegram to Cubs owner Philip Wrigley, which read, you are going to lose this World Series in 45, which they did, and you are never going to win another World Series again. You are never going to win a World Series again because you insulted my goat. Isn't that a great story? 
That's such a good, the curse of the billy goat. I've been to Wrigley Field and I bought a standing room only ticket just to be inside there. Just the history of that place. And, and as we build new buildings, new shiny, awesome things, right? Wrigley Field is one of the last great pieces of Americana left from yesteryear. So awesome that the Cubs won. And that was one of my favorite sports experiences ever was seeing a game at Wrigley Field. Apparently, the goat has been put out to pasture, and all is well on the north side of Chicago. But it got us thinking about curses related to BYU sports and prompted today's Twitter discussion. What BYU sports curse would you like to see come to an end? At TX Colonel. The curse of my wife. What? BYU loses every time she watches with me. Hashtag glad she's not on Twitter. Hope she's not watching or listening. <laughs> Jeez. If, if we're getting a 25 national rating, she's probably watching. <laughs> I think you're in trouble at TX Colonel. Uh-oh. <laughs> Book a hotel. Is there a curse? I mean, do you buy into that? And what streaks are there even in play that BYU fans could consider you know, breaking the curse worthy? Yeah, I, I don't know that there are a lot of curses. I know the curse of Max Hall has mm-hmm. been mentioned. We'll get into mm-hmm. that in a mm-hmm. moment. Yep. I'd never thought of that as a curse until some Ute fans brought that up earlier in the year. But to me, uh, it has to do with men's basketball, which brings us to the stat of the day. Okay. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU men's basketball has won two conference titles, tournament titles, that is, in the last 25 years. Huh? And the last one was 2001. It's been 15, make it 16 years next year, since BYU has won a conference tournament title. Huh? Jimmer Fredette, Lee Kamard, Tyler Haas, Kyle Collinsworth. Nil? That's, that's weird. What else is weird is that BYU has won Sweet 16 in the last 34 years. BYU wins so many games. Just in the postseason, it's been a struggle. BYU has the most NCAA tournament appearances in the NCAA tournament of any team without a Final Four appearance. That's disappointing. That gets brought up every year by yeah. the national analysts. Yeah. BYU's back in. They've got the so, most appearances without a Final Four trip. Maybe I'm looking beyond the mark here. Maybe it's that elusive NIT title, which is a... Oh. <laughs> Stop in, it. Since 1966, BYU's two NIT semi, I can't even say it was, it was straight face. Two NIT semifinal appearances the last four years. No, but BYU needs to win a conference tournament title. They need to go down to Vegas and win that. I think in the next three years, BYU wins one. At, the curse will end. At TashaLin19 answers the Twitter question today by saying basketball conference tournament in Vegas. Even Jimmer couldn't break that one. 16 years, and that's what it will be by the time BYU is back down there in Vegas in March. It'll be 16 years. She says that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. What's yours? With how good that oh. program has oh. been? Yeah. so it's crazy. So many games. BYU is like a top 10 uh, win percentage program. And they in the postseason, it's just tough, right? Wow. The curse I want to watch come to an end is BYU football beating Utah. It's been six long years since BYU beat Utah on the gridiron, and it will be seven years by the time they match up again next year in September of 2017. <sighs> At Justin D. Sweeney says, Utah, 2000, hashtag 2009 was an eternity ago. Only one of my four children were alive to witness a BYU <laughs> victory in the Holy War. I, uh, yeah, and, and you talk about curses. Was Max Hall's rant a curse against BYU in this? Some fans attribute it to BYU quarterback Max Hall and that epic rant after the 26-23 overtime win against Utah in 2009. Of course, I was BYU the, hasn't won yeah. against Utah since that game. I was in the room, Spencer. 
There might be something to this. <laughs> it's been five games and six years, right? Wow. And there have been some close ones, too. Some weren't close, but some were close where BYU is in position to tie or take the lead at the end. And Arr! The idea of a Max Hall curse has come into play. Whether you buy into it or not, it's a coincidence that is gaining traction. Co- are there any coincidences? I believe it was the great Qui-Gon Jinn who said there are no coincidences. Ah. Yes. He had a special set of skills in that movie, too. (laughs) (laughs) Other streaks or curses of note. BYU baseball hasn't been to an NCAA tournament since 2002. Oh, come on. That one's going to end the next couple years. Yes. That one will. That was almost last year. College World Series, last appearance, 1971. Yeah. Men's volleyball. This team, this program's so good. They've been to a couple national championship games and lost. They haven't won since 04. They're like the number one team in the country at some point almost every year. And they haven't won since 04. I think that will end soon. This year's team is going to be really, really good, too. They start in January. BYU football has never been to a New Year's Six slash BCS bowl game. That's, that's a big one. BYU did win a national championship in football. So that one's not brought up. As initially. much. Yeah. Right. It's like you got to beat Utah before you even you aim for the moon there with New Year's Six. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. What BYU sports curse would you like to see come to an end? At Mr. Underscore Flintstone 94 says, Obviously beating Utah, but I'd take an Elite Eight or New Year's Six Bowl any day, and can a man get some Dr. Pepper on campus? (laughs) Is that the curse? (laughs) Listen, the caffeinated caffeinated curse. curse. Listen, the Museum of Art, a.k.a. MOA, apparently has caffeinated soda at it. Did I just give away that secret? I don't know. We need to confirm we that again, We said that on though. the show. We need to confirm it again. Coming up, <laughs> big deal, no deal. BYU has a Big Ten Conference inclusion clause in a game contract with Minnesota. And we go all access with BYU receivers coach Ben Cahoon. His plan to get more production from his receivers group. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, those moving pictures on BYU TV, and our conversation is jumping right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Coming up, countdown to kickoff, Saturday, 2.30 Eastern Time, live from Provo here with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Brian Logan, and David Nixon. Spencer Linton will be live at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati, Ohio. So BYU hoping to do what the Cubs did. Go to Ohio and win Saturday. We'll get you ready for that, 2.30 Eastern time. First ever game for BYU football in the state of Ohio. Pretty crazy. BYU's played uh, several teams from Ohio. They played Toledo earlier this year. Uh, Ohio State a couple times, but only in bowl games. So never a game in the state of Ohio. So another independence check mark. A new state. There you go. Which BYU sports curse would you like to see come to an end? That is our Twitter question today. At Coog Baca says, The curse of not finishing ranked in the top 25. Hashtag starting point for next year. It's been five years. That's a good point. And, and BYU's not been and won't be uh, ranked in the first three college football playoffs. That's pretty... You want to be ranked when that comes out, because that's later in the year. Right? It's time to change BYU's the trend. been ranked at the beginning of years and jumped out strong. That's been nice. But, uh, yeah, you want BYU to get in there uh, at the end. Our first guest of the day via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is former major leaguer, former BYU baseball coach, Vance Law, and a former Chicago Cub who is currently in Arizona watching players in fall ball. Vance, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you very much. 
What was your reaction last night watching the Cubs, one of your former teams, make the final out to win the World Series for the first time in over a century? Well, it was kind of uh, stunning, actually, to think how how uh, that game transpired because I actually I thought after they gave up the lead uh, when when Davis hit the two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth inning, I didn't think they would be able to come back from that. That's That'd be pretty deflating when you only have four outs left in the game to uh, to be world champions, and then all of a sudden that happens. And uh, I thought that was going to propel the Indians over the top, but uh, the rain delay I think kind of slowed the momentum down. And I think uh, you know, according at least according to what we heard, that uh, Jason Hayward pulled their club together in the weight room and had a little players meeting that uh, you know that turned things back around for them. Having played for the Cubs, what does this mean to you? Well, I only wish it would have happened about 30 years ago when we were <laughs> in the playoffs in 89. But it was, uh, so, you know, I'm just, ha- I'm happy for the fans. There, there's so many people that follow the Cubs. When I played there, it didn't matter what stadium we went to. And it was kind of shown last night. The Cub fans come out in force. And we would go to San Diego or Houston, have more fans at the, than the Padres or the Astros. And, you know, last night it sounded like it was almost 50-50 in the stadium. So they, they follow, and they, they've, just been a, they've just been wanting to have a, a World Series champion for a long, long time. And I'm, I'm pleased for the fans. I'm pleased for the players and the former players that, were, uh, that have played there. We, uh, there's always a soft spot in your heart for the, for the Cubs. I work on the opposite side of town now with the White Sox, so I know we're going to hear a little bit about it. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know it's still pretty thrilling, I think, to see that that come to an end. And even back in Utah, there's a ton of people who follow the Cubs. All my ever since I played there, I think all my nieces and nephews follow the Cubs, and that's their that's their team now. So uh, it, it's it's really a an amazing thing to go 108 years and finally break that. A 1988 All-Star in Major League Baseball for the Chicago Cubs, Vance Law, former BYU baseball coach as well, with us on BYU Sports Nation. When it comes to the curse of the Billy Goat, how much credence did you give to that as a player? Uh, Zero. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the players today, they put zero in it too. I think it was just a good story of... Who in their right mind in the first place is going to bring a goat to a game and expect to get in? <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, you know, we we didn't think a thing about it, uh, and I'm sure players from then on didn't either. This has been years in the making, obviously 108, but I, what I mean by that is a few years ago you started to see some of these young pieces come together. Theo Epstein got there, had a plan, said be patient. Normally when people say that, it doesn't work out. Theo Epstein did it with the Red Sox and now the Cubs. When did you think a title might be possible for the Cubs? Uh, honestly, it, it, it could happen at any time with any team. But uh, he, he certainly, you know, I can't discredit him, that's for sure. He's done it in two locations, uh, brought young people, young players, uh, and a philosophy together. I'm not a huge fan of the metrics, and that's my only disappointment. The whole thing is a, a guy who believes in the metrics stuff that goes on with, you know, they just uh, they, sometimes they leave the guys who can just play the game out. 
you know, you look at a guy like Zobrist, and he's somebody that is my kind of player who who's able to hit the ball, to execute, move runners, score runners from third. And I don't think you can win a game. I don't think you can win games just based on exit velocity coming off the bat or the spin rate of a baseball coming in from a pitcher. There's heart, there's soul, there's, uh, there's David Ross who can't do a thing anymore except he comes up with a big home run and he can handle pitching staffs and he's, you know, he's just solid and you, you have to be able to have those kinds of players also to win along with that. I think there's a place for it in baseball, but you can't base your whole organization on that. And, you know, it's starting to go that way. The Dodgers are doing it. Uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of clubs that do that now. And uh, I just still think there's places for guys that can just play the game the right way and, and do what, what it takes to, to win ball games. So, you know, look at Kyle Hendricks. He's the perfect example of a guy who it doesn't have an overpowering fastball but can change speeds and locate and command his fastball both sides of the plate, throw a change-up in a fastball count. Those kinds of things, you know, can't be measured. And I just love to see guys like that succeed and, and have success. Your son, Adam Law, has some intangibles as well in the game of baseball, and he sent out the following tweet last night. Before tonight, I had shed tears of joy following only one sporting event. After the ball game tonight, Cubs winning, it's now happened twice. Hashtag sports. Your response to Adam uh, tearing up when the Cubs won the World Series last night? He is, I guess, ever since he's seen videos of me playing or just the the fact of we've been to Wrigley Field, that he has followed the Cubs and secretly down inside, he's always loved the Cubs, even though he played for the Dodgers and he's currently with the Seattle Mariners organization. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't seen his tweet yet, so I haven't been on Twitter yet. But uh, <laughs> uh, I know how much he, he loves playing, or he loves playing the game. He loves the game, and he really loves the Cubs. Uh, and I think there's other, there's a lot of other people out there who after last night's victory, uh, shed a few tears as well. I love the life lessons that came from this series and that game, too. When you think something's impossible, it's not. When you think, uh, you know, when the game is tied up in the eighth, you can still rally and come back and win. What did you take away from this series that's maybe bigger than sports? Well, I think that's a great, that's a great example right there because they were, they'd lost two out of three back at home and where they were dominant all season long, and you would think that there's no way a team like like the like the Cubs, or excuse me, like the Indians, is going to lose three straight once they get back to, or lose, yeah, lose three straight games, including two going back to Cleveland. Uh, but the Cubs never gave up, and they hung in there, and they battled. They showed that they were still in it the whole time, and uh, dominated game six. And then came back and won last night, and uh, I thought that that was. I think that's probably the thing you take away, and you also don't take away the intangibles of of what a a support system like the Cubs fans um, give to players. Uh, they never really ever give up on them. You know, they they get disgusted and discouraged with them at times, but uh, and they did back in my playing days as well. But they they were always there. They filled the ballpark every day and every night, 
um, it was a great, great place to play. Vance Law, former Major League Baseball All-Star and former Chicago Cub, also a BYU baseball coach over 13 seasons. Vance, we appreciate the time. Great stuff. We wish you the best of luck with the Chicago White Sox and uh, enjoy your time in balmy Arizona. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, it's been fun to be with you. You got it. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Vance. Okay. Vance Law on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Vance played for several teams, and now he's even with the White Sox, you know, uh, <laughs> across the city there. But uh, very cool because the Cubs are represented uh, with BYU in that way through Vance. Also, Michael Rucker's in the Cubs organization right now. In Legacy Hall, you have a Cubs jersey from Vance Law. 88 All-Star. Like, he wasn't just a major league player. He was good. Not to mention Jacob Hanneman, right? And Jacob Hanneman. Yeah, that's right. Who was drafted in the third round. Two Cubbies. By the Chicago Cubs uh, just, what, three or four years ago. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Also, uh, Chris Bryant was drafted into the Cubs organization three yeah. or four years ago. Pr- Price Jarman of the men's volleyball team, uh, he tweeted me last night uh, about <laughs> Chris Bryant. He said, I went to high school with Chris Bryant in case you want to have me on Sports Nation to talk about it. Hashtag topical. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Price, you're on the radar, man. We did not invite Price today. You're on the radar, But we'll look for that as the men's volleyball team goes to where he's from, Vegas, this weekend. Coming up, receivers coach Ben Cahoon of BYU Football and his plan to get more production from his receivers group. Leading receiver has 310 yards. Plus, Paige Hunt Barker of BYU Women's Soccer. How she utilizes the pressure of being ranked fourth for good. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. Women's basketball has one uh, more exhibition for the regular season opener. It is Friday night, tomorrow night, 9 Eastern time, against Colorado Mesa on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Used to cover the Mavericks uh, back in Grand Junction back in the day. When they were still called Mesa State. Yeah. And now they have transitioned to Colorado Mesa. Yeah. You lived there uh, for like three years. There right? you go. Yeah. You'd play pickup at that at Mesa State. Yeah, wouldn't I, you? I broke my ankle playing pickup. You broke ankles, and you literally broke your ankle. I did break my ankle. <laughs> I was in a suit after a sports cast at eleven thirty. The guys on the floor convinced me, like, "Hey, we've got an extra pair of shoes. Just come out and play." So I took off my suit jacket and my tie. I'm in my dress clothes, in these <laughs> joggers. Roll my ankle. Break my ankle. Yeah. Awful. Great memories. In yeah, Grand I wouldn't Junction, have told Colorado. that story if I was. <laughs> <laughs> Refreshing today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. At football media availability yesterday, Ty Detmer said he doesn't think junior offensive lineman Ului Lapuahu will play the rest of the season. He also said Jamal Williams hurt his ankle against Mississippi State and re-aggravated, oh, man. re-aggravated his ankle in pregame warm-ups at Boise State. But he's good to go for Cincinnati. That's good news. Women's basketball defeated Westminster last night, 77-59 in an exhibition game. Kalani Purcell recorded a double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals. The team plays again tomorrow, as mentioned, Colorado Mesa, 9 Eastern time in the second exhibition on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Game day for 14th-ranked BYU women's volleyball at Pacific at 10 Eastern. Tricky road match for the ladies. Yeah, and they're in Stockton. The women's golf team is in first place after two rounds at the Rainbow Wahine Invitational in Hawaii. Rose Huang is currently in second place at two under, and Alex White sits in fourth at even par. We now move to a one-on-one. Generally, we do these two-on-one, but we had split responsibilities yesterday. So Jerem carried the show to go one-on-one with BYU receivers coach Ben Cahoon. Now, I'm not sure there is 
a more scrutinized position group right now for BYU football than the receivers. Maybe the offensive was, line? It probably was the secondary, but they've had so many takeaways. They've offset some of that conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but the receivers, there's some good players in there, and it's not been their year per se. Coming off a game that was frustrating for a lot of the players, Jerem now one-on-one with BYU receivers coach Ben Cahoon. All right, Ben, you had a bye week last week, so any personal time for you outside of coaching and recruiting? Yeah, we got uh, a day, day and a half off. That was nice. and some a whole day and a half, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we hit recruiting pretty hard on the weekends and um, came in and, and did some self-scouting, you know, early in the week. So it was a productive week. Do you like scouting yourself more or the opponent? The opponent, absolutely. But it's it's always beneficial to – Take a good look at yourself and find out what your tendencies are and, and uh, what you do well and what you're struggling with. And I think it was uh, helpful for us. What did you learn? Well, that's, that's classified. Um, <laughs> no, we, we took a good look at what we do well and, um, you know, what we don't execute uh, very well. And, and uh, it, was, it was beneficial and, and insightful, I think. So I think we'll... we'll simplify a little bit and, and go back to what we do well hopefully eight games in the books four left uh how would you evaluate the receivers this season so far well um i think we're getting better and we're working hard and we need to continue to get better so um i love my guys and they want it bad they're working hard they're staying after practice and and uh, you know i'm convinced that, that that extra effort you know will start uh, showing up on Saturdays, so um, I believe in them, and I, I love them a lot, and, and they're great to work with, and, and I think that, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to show up a little bit more and, and make some good plays for our team and help out our quarterback. This offense has been very run-heavy, so it's maybe a different way to evaluate the receiver's performance uh, other than, okay, yards and catches and that kind of thing. So what are the, some of the key indicators you look at to see success of your guys? Well, we measure how well we're catching the ball. We measure their effort every single play, their execution, and their assignment every single play. Um, do they know their job? Are they lined up correctly? And do they go block or, or run the right route? So we measure all that and, and keep track of all that. And, um, you know, I'm happy with the guy. Sometimes you have no control over whether the ball is thrown to you or whether it's thrown well to you. Uh, our guys have stayed positive and they're figuring out ways to contribute, and they've been blocking like like grown men downfield, and, and uh, you know it's a big part of our r- r- running success. That's certainly one of the things maybe fans don't notice. You know, is the the wide receiver blocking there? But uh, against Boise State, I think Ty Emmer estimated six drops. Is that like the other than tipping the ball to the other team? Is that the worst possible thing for a receiver? And and what do you discuss after a, a game like that? There were too many balls on the ground for sure. Um, I don't know if it's the worst. Uh, it's a terrible thing, you know. Your job is to catch the ball. So um, nobody feels worse about it than the guys that drop it. So uh, my job is to build them up and get them ready to go back and, and do better the next play after a mistake. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process, and, and it's, a lot of it comes down to confidence and timing. So that's why they're out after practice working with the quarterback and getting, getting the timing down and, and um, and everybody's confidence up. How much uh, how much more explosive uh, does the offense want to be in the pass game, or is this kind of where you want to be at? 
No, I mean, I think we want to be more explosive, you know, in the run game and the pass game. Um, but we're going to take what the defenses give us, and Ty is the master at that, and you've got a running back like Jamal who makes guys miss and breaks tackles, you know, he's going to be our bread and butter. But we've got to do a better job in the pass game um, complementing that and, um, you know, getting chunks. How do you match up with Cincinnati, your receivers, against that secondary from what you've seen on film? You know, they're fast and they're athletic, so they're, they're, they present a challenge. And, uh, but I think we're rested and I think we're chomping at the bit to, to go prove ourselves. And, um, you know, I, they, they're good you know, college football players and, and uh, athletic and physical. Um, but we see some things that we think we can exploit. And bottom line, it comes down to just beating the guy over you and, and making plays. So uh, we're hoping to see a lot of that this week. After eight games, kind of an unprecedented set of eight games with six Power 5 opponents and two tough group of five opponents playing a bunch on the road, um, how has that maybe prepared you guys for November to have even more success? Well, it's been a grind. It's been a really tough schedule, and uh, I think we have been a little road-weary with a lot of games across time zones and, and late-night returns or early-morning returns and short weeks. So the bye week was well it was needed, and, and uh, I think we'll respond well um, as we're rested and fresh. Uh, and it's, it's great. You want to play the best, and I think, I think uh, we know we compete with the very best in the country. Okay, thanks, Ben. We appreciate that. My pleasure. You bet. Ben Cahoon, wide receivers coach for BYU football, the next challenge at Cincinnati on Saturday. And you can almost sense the fr- – no, I'm not going to call it frustration, but just he's waiting for them to have the breakout game. Yeah, there, there are some good players in there. I, I think that the combination of uh, blocking and throwing and timing, and that all, that all matters, right? And BYU's receivers last year were really good. This group's not the same. It's not the same as last year, uh, but I, I like some of the guys in that group. I think they're capable. So it'd be nice to see in November when the competition's not as strong as it has been the first day to see those receivers thrive. BYU's leading receiver is Nick Kurtz, and with that, we go to Big Deal, No Deal. Brought to Big you by... Deal. Brady Industry is a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States for over 65 years. Brady Industries clean solutions, a tradition for generations. So, with Nick Kurtz in mind, number one. Big deal, no deal. Nick Kurtz, as mentioned, BYU's leading receiver, having 310 yards. Big deal, and it has nothing to do with uh, who it is that it's Nick Kurtz. It's that it's only 310 yards after eight games. That's really low, and and that's and that's tough. BYU's more of a run team this year. Jamal Williams is the guy. Um, you know, T- Taysom Hill's strength is in the run game. It's not as much as a passer, although he can be good. Uh, it's. Yeah, it's more about BYU's offense to me this year, why that number's low. But it's still too low. If that number was higher, maybe BYU's not 4-4. Four and four. Who knows? This is a big deal because it's a noticeable... Big deal. Did I say that? Yes, okay. you did say that. It's, it's a noticeable statistic, right? And it's one that's gathering attention, and you don't want it to gather attention because it is low. If BYU had a receiver that was up around 500 yards, which, you know, I think would be plenty acceptable given the run-heavy offensive scheme that BYU is running this year. But Ty Detmer addressed this, and he said, oh, we want more explosive plays. We need... There's one of 40-plus. More. One? Yeah. They're That's looking for more passes, specifically good. of 10-plus yards and explosive plays of 20-plus, 40-plus. 
I think we're going to see some success for sure in these final four regular season games just because the competition level will go down and teams get better as you go throughout the season, right? They're coming off of uh, a bye as well. They've had rest. They're fresh. They're ready to go. I think BYU is going to try and throw the ball all over the field against Cincinnati, and that starts with establishing the run. Jamal Williams will get his. They'll have to focus on him. That'll open up some big passing plays. Number two. This one, nothing to do with the receivers, but just kindness. According to a report out of Cincinnati, their motivation for this game is BYU was too kind to them last year. Huh? Let's read Big the quote. No deal. Let's read the quote here. Uh, this is from uh, safety Carter Jacobs. Honestly, we're looking for revenge. Uh, they try to kill you with kindness, said Bearcat Junior Safety Carter Jacobs. When we went in there, they gave us these goodie bags when we walked in and tried to give us shaving cream and stuff like that to make us feel like we're at home. But I'm looking for revenge because I know it's just a big slap in the face to us. What? Carter. Car- Carter. Sorry. Carter, look at me, Carter. Really? Really, man? You really think this is a ploy? No deal. This is no deal. It's a a big deal that this guy thinks that's a slap in the face. What in the world? Really, Carter? Has no one been nice to you in your life? What? what? BYU does this to teams that beat them in Provo, too. Yeah. Okay? BYU probably did this to Florida State. And UCLA this year. And, dare I say, the Utes. (laughs) I don't know if BYU does it with you, though. Yeah, I don't know. I would hope not. We're not giving shaving cream to the youths. <laughs> they don't use it. <laughs> we have uh, to use it here. Up next, the real story behind Jamal Williams' injury that kept him out of Boise State and BYU women's soccer with Paige Hunt Barker. I need some shaving cream. Come on. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Studio B. Go Cubs, Go! Go Cubs, go! <laughs> Don't finish it. We've done it enough. Uh, if you You've miss an episode enough. of this show live, you can always watch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Saturday, 2.30 Eastern time is our live one-hour pregame show from Provo and Cincinnati. From Ohio, BYU, like the Cubs, trying to go to Ohio and get a win. First ever game in the state of Ohio. We'll be live uh, with Countdown to Kickoff, 2.30 Eastern time. If you are local and you want to come hang out and... Uh, uh, watch the game on a 27-foot screen and get free pizza at halftime. And get on TV. Come hang out at 2.30 Eastern, 12.30 Mountain here at uh, BYU Broadcast. You may not have CBS Sports Network, so that's a fantastic true, idea. True that. Unless you have that neighbor friend. What BYU it. sports curse would you like to see come to an end? That's our Twitter question today at NickLee51. The curse of Max Hall to Utah. <laughs> I am not willing to wait 102 more years for that to end. Can you Beat imagine? them next year. Uh, no, yeah, that's not going to happen. No, I You can accidentally imagine. win a game in football. Baseball, you have to win a lot of games. To win the World Series. Oh, you have to win a lot of games. Joining us now in Studio B is Paige Hunt Barker of fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer. Paige, nice to have you back in Studio B. Thank you. Glad to be here. Do you feel like a veteran yet? <laughs> yes, kind of. Um, I still, in some aspects, feel like a freshman, but, you know, it's crazy that the time's gone by. I know. I looked on the roster. I was like, Paige is a senior? Like, when did that happen? But you you went on a mission, and this has been a, a fun kind of, what, five-and-a-half-year journey, I guess? I know, yeah. Since my mission kind of split up my seasons, I feel like I started over when I came back from a mission, but now I'm close to the end, which is crazy. But. What, when did you feel like... Okay, I'm back after the mission. Like, what was there a game or a moment where you're like, okay, I'm back, I'm 100%. 
Um, yeah, I feel like a little into the season, the 2015 season, I still was a little bit shaky, but about halfway through, I was like, okay, I'm feeling it. I'm good. I'm good to go. Jen, put me where you need me to go. And this year, I feel better than ever. So we're 100%. And this, that's interesting because this is a new thing with the, the new age uh, for girls to go out a little earlier on their missions at, at 19. Yeah. We, BYU hasn't really dealt with this yet. Yet, mm-hmm. there are several return missionaries. I noticed on the women's basketball team, they're like three or four now. Um, so yeah. what was that like to be kind of one of the first to go on a mission, then come back, and now the training staff has to deal with you in a different way, right? Right. I love it. I think it's exciting, and the training staff has handled it really well. It's something that, obviously, I've never done before. But I think it's cool that they're supporting the girls on going on missions, and then when they come back, they have faith that they'll be able to get back into shape. So Was it an advantage in any way? Because that's the conversation among opponents in football, especially. It's like, oh, they're so old and mature physically. Was it an advantage or a disadvantage physically? Um, I think it's a disadvantage physically, at least for females, because it's a little bit different, I would say, just from my personal experience. But you are more mature when you come home, so maybe the social aspect is a little different. That's an advantage. You're not as emotional with maybe coaching decisions. You're just you get a little bit more mature. <laughs> like, yeah. Fine, Jan. Yeah. Before my mission, I would have complained, but now I'm no, cool. <laughs> no, but it's, I don't know. It's different physically, for sure. Yeah, I will take that feedback, and I will implement it in a positive you fashion. Different, different perspective, I guess. Jen. <laughs> Will you commit to letting me play? <laughs> can, can I start senior night? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Will you? Paige John Barker with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of emotions do you anticipate uh, on Saturday in the West Coast Conference regular season finale, battling for a championship still? And, Man. I mean, it's technically senior night, but we anticipate BYU will have some home games in the tournament as well. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion. There's a lot on the line, especially the championship um, when we didn't know, it wasn't in our control if we even had the championships. We were all watching LMU and Pepperdine and how that played out. But now that we have a chance to win it, we're all in. And we're going to play hard. We're going to prepare the same that we do for every game. That doesn't really change because we want to play hard and win. But also that it's senior night. Like you said, we'll have more home games, hopefully. But just the fact that it's senior night, the I don't know, there's electricity in the air and you want to live up to the expectation. You're all the way up to number four in the country. Do you like being ranked that high? Because you get, yeah. a, you get a good game from the opponent every time. Yeah, I think we love it. We love the challenge. Jen always says we have a target on our backs, which is true. We get everyone's best game. But when they play us their best, we get better. And so we like we like it for sure. That's that mature perspective again. Right <laughs> yeah, there. Before your mission, you would not have said that. I'd have been but like, no. Now, no, we're so scared. But now that you went on one, you're so different. What's been your favorite memory from this 15 win, two losses, and one tie season so far? Wow. Um, I'm not sure. I think just the win against Utah, that was really fun. The win against LMU, because they had a home winning streak for the longest time, and we broke their winning streak, so that was that was ESPNU amazing. ESPNU Yeah, well. yeah. Cool. so that was a fun game as well. But I think that the most important memories that are going to be made and will be my favorite is going to be Saturday and into the NCAA tournament, for sure. Boom. The best <laughs> is yet to come. Uh, your mission president in Indianapolis was one Steve Cleveland, yep. uh, who is a good friend of ours. Uh, what's it like to still see, see President Cleveland around town? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, he comes to my games, and when I see him up in the stands, I just can't stop smiling because he's an amazing guy, and he still loves BYU, and he loves athletes. He loves athletics, so he's so supportive, and it's just fun to have him 
him around so I can actually see him than just calling him catching up. Does he scold you when you get a yellow card or you're a little bit too physical? <laughs> that behavior is not acceptable. <laughs> no, but he is like, whoa, that's not the missionary that I knew. <laughs> Maybe it's a little shocking. But <laughs> Why do you feel like this team is special? And I, ask, I use that word and ask that question because you draw comparisons to the 2012 team that went to the Elite Eight. Why, why yeah. do you feel like that is a fair comparison? I think because we do have a lot of talent, and talent isn't enough, though. You have to have a lot of work and people who are driven and to be in sync with each other. I think we all play well. We've played together, like Michelle Murphy and I have played either with each other or against each other our whole lives, and Elena Medeiros and I, we played with each other all through high school. Um, We just have a vibe going that I think is really strong. And the whole team, we have this theme going. It's called 28 Strong. And so the girls who maybe don't get the minutes that they want, they're not mad. They're not, um, like, sad or, you know, they don't hold that over the heads of those that are Mm -hmm. playing. But we're all unified. We're all supporting each other, which is awesome. Okay. We need to grant you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your match on Saturday and moving forward into the postseason. So that, the Gregorian chants are going. It has been transferred <laughs> to Paige Hunt Barker. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the time. Yeah. And for Thanks utilizing for the me. commitment pattern here in Studio yeah. B. You're just so mature now. You know, oh. That's what I've noticed. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Our Twitter question today, which BYU sports curse would you like to see come to an end? Use the hashtag BYUS and to send in those responses. Coming up, when exactly Jamal Williams hurt his ankle and his status for Cincinnati. Plus, it's a game day for 14th-ranked BYU women's volleyball. All the latest in the Cougar Whip around. And what BYU and the Big Ten have to do with each other. Oh, yeah. What? BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Go Cubs, go! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. At football media availability yesterday, Todd Emmer said he doesn't think junior offensive lineman Louie Lapuahu will play the rest of the season. He also said Jamal Williams hurt his ankle versus Mississippi State, didn't practice all that week, and then re-aggravated his ankle in pregame warm-ups at Boise State, but is good to go against Cincinnati. A good friend of the program, Matt Brown of SB Nation, reporting that in the BYU-Minnesota game contract, there is a clause that allows an out if BYU is to be invited to the Big Ten Conference. Do we need a Big Ten update center? We can't afford the fun pack, Napoleon. Women's basketball. The ladies defeated Westminster last night, 77-59 in an exhibition game. Kalani Purcell recorded a double-double with 11 points, 10 rebounds. Also four assists and four steals. The team plays again tomorrow against Colorado Mesa at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Volleyball. 14th ranked BYU women's volleyball at Pacific tonight, 10 Eastern. The ladies need to get this road win because chances of a West Coast Conference title ride on them winning out. And UC Irvine announced its men's volleyball team will travel to Provo to play the Cougars on January 27th and 28th. Golf. Women's golf in first place after two rounds at the Rainbow Wahine Invitational in Hawaii. Rose Huang currently second place at minus two and Alex White sits in fourth (laughs) at even par. Cougars in the PGA. Why am I saying what what play? Zach Blair's currently <clears throat> Zach Blair's currently one over par through five holes and is tied for thirty eighth. And Daniel Summerhays tees off at four oh five Eastern at the Shriners <laughs> Open in Las Vegas. Back to you, Spencer. Tennis. Is the Shriners Open the one that Justin Timberlake hosts? In Vegas, yeah. That's I'm the told ju- yes in my that's little earpiece. The ear Justin piece. Timberlake tournament. Yeah. I don't want to play in that tournament. Well, why? Why don't you? 
uh, because I don't have the status to play in that tournament. <laughs> the women's what? tennis team You're begins Spencer Linton. competition today at the Jack Kramer Tennis Invite in Palos Verdes, California. Yeah, just go play in that instead. Okay. Hey, future guests tomorrow uh, are going for two picks. That'll be awesome. Plus, uh, Tony Pike, Cincinnati sideline reporter. We'll get the latest and greatest about the Bearcats, whatever a Bearcat is. I feel like it's been forever since we made going for two picks, and that's because it will have been 16 days between games. Yeah. That's nuts. I haven't even thought about what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, I actually have one. Oh, you have one? I have one. Oh, snap. Speaking of curses. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay. That's a, that's a great tease. Don't do it, Jerem. Don't do it! <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Oh, the Cubs. Goes to the Cubs. Normally this is a BYU thing, but this is uh, an extraordinary sports day. Uh, the day after the Cubs win the World Series. I, I never thought we'd say that. Yeah, and how about the guy, the yearbook guy in 1993 from a yeah, Chicago high school guy. that said... 2016 Chicago Cubs World Series champions. You heard it here first. <laughs> what? How many missed yearbook guesses are there then outside the of that one? one yeah. Then of there's course. the one. Yeah, it's so like funny. one in a million, right? Yeah, exactly. Holy cow. Like someone right now is like, 2037 BYU National Champs men's hoops. Mark, you like, heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Everybody's making their Twitter predictions today now. <laughs> yeah. Just get them out there. Uh, Twitter question today. What BYU sports curse would you like to see come to an end? Our elite tweet of the day from at SKBYU. Six straight losses to Utah. 32 years since a national title. But I think I'll pick the curse of having to listen to the elite debate. Yes, that one needs to end. Thanks to Ben Cahoon, Paige Parker, and everyone on our crew. The Yet conversation continues 24. I didn't bring it back up. They did. I know. 24-7 on Twitter. Oh, yeah. On Twitter, you hashtag BYUSN. Why so defensive? I wasn't going after you. Because man. defense keeps you in the game. <laughs> it doesn't win anything. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. Download the podcast on iTunes and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Vance Law for go, joining Cubs, us. Go, BYU Sports go, Nation, Cubs, back to work go. tomorrow. Na, See you in Cincinnati. Na, 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 na.